God before us, God beside us, God behind us, God above us. Be also now between us, a bridge through which your truth may move. In the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Be seated. Frenemies. <laughs> Love and enemies, those two words don't really seem to fit, do they? So we hear them today from Jesus and we think, wait a minute. I'm supposed to love my enemies? I'm supposed to do good to those who don't like me, who wish me harm in some way? It it seems to kind of fly in the face of everything, doesn't it? Oh, we we know it and we kind of say it with our voices, but we kind of live something different in life. It becomes kind of a frenemies situation, you know, do you ever use that word? We're kind of frenemies. I just pretend to be their friend, I guess is what that means. I don't know that I have a lot of frenemies, but I, maybe people think of me as a frenemy. I don't. I hope not, right? And we tend to react in one of two ways, because the world tells us that we're not supposed to be nice to those who don't like us. We're not supposed to be nice to those who wish us harm or maybe say something that flies in the face of the way we think the world should be, that challenge our worldview in some way. And so we often react in one of two ways. Either we are passive about it, you know, we don't say anything about it at all, or we're very aggressive about it. Um, We strike back. I'll hit you, you come after me, I'll hit you ten times harder. I've heard that a few times in the news lately. Or we're passive and aggressive at the same time. I guess that's what frenemies means, right? We want to crush our enemies. Get them. We don't, certainly don't want good things to happen to them. It reminds me, do you all remember the movie Shrek? When Shrek and Donkey are kind of walking along and they walk beside the big uh, sunflower field. It's beautiful. And Donkey, you know, they're going to the palace to get the princess and they're in, in uh, cahoots with Lord Farquaad, or supposedly, right? He's kind of a friend of me, isn't he? Um, and Donkey's saying, why don't you just go, oh, go all ogre on them? You know, do what ogres do. You got big teeth and you're a big green guy, scare them up and let's get this over with. And so um, Shrek kind of wants to do it a different way a little bit. So he said, well, you know, uh, ogres, we're like onions. So Donkey says, you stink? (laughs) He says, no. He said, you cause people to cry? No, we have layers. Right? We have layers. We have multiple layers in our personality and who we are and how we want to do things. And yet the world looks at somebody like Shrek or like us, for that matter, not that we're ogre-esque, and says, if you have an enemy, if you have somebody that you need to conquer, then get on with it and crush them. Conquer them, right? We live in that world. We live in a world that is filled with bitterness and rage. There's a bitter root at the heart of our world today that I think is very, very dangerous. Time Magazine said America's anger is out of control. Rage uncorked becomes rage indulged, and rage indulged becomes rage applauded. And suddenly everyone that has a gripe thinks it's okay to react in rage and anger 
and to vilify, to react with something in vitriol, because after all, they are opposed to our way of life, to the way we think the world should be, so talk to the hand. You are dead to me, right? To use a few cliches. Offense leads to betrayal, and betrayal leads to hate. A bitter spirit can cause our destiny as the beloved community, and you've heard me talk about that, to fade. And we squander our potential to be in communion of love. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the 20th century theologian who was killed at the hands of the Nazis before he was arrested, started a seminary in Germany And it was to raise up, at this time it was men, for the priesthood and for ordained orders that could take out that beloved community into the world. And when somebody came to visit him, they said, why are you doing this? You know, we just go along to get along. He was kind of taking the more passive approach, right? Just go along to get along. You're going to get yourself killed. So he said, follow me. So they went and they got into a boat and they crossed a small river, and he took him up to the top of a hill. And over at the top of this hill, they looked out and they could see an airfield, a Nazi airfield, where they were assembling and getting ready and armaments and everything that was going on. And he said, this, this must be stronger than that. This community, this love, this forgiveness, this grace must be stronger than that. So how do we do that? How do we do that when it is so hard to do? How do we do that when the world tells you that you're weak if you do that? How do you do that to to extend love, to extend grace, to extend relationship to one that wants to harm you when it seems impossible, when all the voices of the world tell you the only way to get along in the world is to crush them or to show them that you mean business. Get rid of the layers. Strike for the punch. I think our scripture today tells us some important things about what it means. What it means to show love. What it means to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. What it means to be in relationship, even with those with whom you disagree. Joseph. You think Joseph had a right to be bitter? I don't know. I guess if my brothers threw me into a cistern and left me for dead basically thinking they had murdered me, I would be upset. (laughs) Did the tone of my voice come across okay? I would be upset. I would not like that at all, right? Joseph, when he was 17 years old, and I don't know how many 17-year-olds could hold this dream in humility. Thank you. But he had a dream that his brothers basically symbolically were bowing down to him. And so he kind of shared that with his brothers, as I would have at 17. Guess what I dreamed about? You're going to bow down to me. The coat of many colors didn't help that he got from his father, so his brothers, they lashed out. 
We'll take care of this. No layers here. We'll strike first. He's going in the cistern. Hopefully he'll die. But he didn't die. He was sold into slavery. Joseph eventually became a servant in Pharaoh's household, became a man of power. And here comes his brothers. Famine is in the land and they need help. And so he sees them, but they don't recognize him. And there is a part of us, at least a part of me, I don't know about you, that would think this is my chance. This is my chance. Justice is mine, right? Forget about mercy. (laughs) Micah, sorry. (laughs) Justice and mercy ain't living together today. (laughs) You're going down for what you did for me, or at least you're going to pay painfully for a little while. But Joseph didn't do that. Joseph was moved with love and with mercy. He came to them because of what he had been through. He recognized that there, but for the grace of God, I have this same capability in my heart, and you are my brother. He he maintained relationship with them. He didn't say what you did was okay. But he put the relationship on a new footing. And as a result, he was the hinge that ushered them into their destiny and ultimately led to the 12 tribes of Israel. All because relationship was maintained. All because he went against the grain of the world and what our human heart tells us we should do. And Jesus, probably one of the most famous lessons from all of the New Testament, Love your enemies. Turn the other cheek. He's just started his ministry. We talked about the sermon on the plain. He is telling them what it is to live into this kingdom of God. That this, this must be greater than that. Than the Roman Empire that tells you that getting ahead is the way to do it. And you crush all of those who stand in your way. And if they come at you with force, you go back with greater force. Tells them to turn the other cheek. And here, I would argue that it is not something that says become a doormat for anybody who is evil in the world, who sins against you. Right? Because I don't know about you, but I don't tell somebody when they are going at someone to get them, to really assault them. Hey, look, look, here's what you do. Go with open hands and go for their cheeks. That's funny, right? I mean, I thought it was funny. Go for you know, let's get into a let's get into a slap fight here. That's how I really want to assault them. No. A slap on the cheek was not an assault on your physical safety, it was assault on your dignity. It was an assault on your image and how you think of yourself. And if somebody does that, you turn your other cheek, not so that they can keep on doing it but so that you can put the relationship on a new footing. That you can maintain the relationship even in the midst of that. You can call out what they're doing while you are saying, if you're willing, we can continue to be in relationship. It's not passive, it's not aggressive, but it maintains the community of God. It's like the girl who, I heard Tim Keller say this, was telling about talking to her father, and her father treated her and her mother horribly. And on the telephone, 
he was going at it again, all the vitriol, all of it spilling out. She said, Dad, I'm not going to let you talk to me or to Mom like this. If you continue, I'm going to end the conversation, but I love you and I want to be in relationship with you. If you will treat us with respect and with dignity. She named it, but she maintained the relationship. It wasn't, talk to the hand, you're dead to me. Talk to the hand, you don't agree with what I agree with. You you disagree with me. I'm going to crush you, I'm going to assassinate your character. No, she maintained relationship. Kevin Tunnel is a 17-year-old in Washington, D.C. He went to a party drinking underage. His friends begged him not to drive. But he did anyway, and on the way home, he killed another 17-year-old girl a mile from their house. And he ended up getting a three-year probation and a year of talking to people about the, the evils of drinking and driving. And then the girl's parents sued him for $1.5 million. But they ended up settling. They ended up settling for $936. Pretty good deal, isn't it? And they said, okay, but here's the caveat. Every Friday of every week, you have to write a $1 check in the name of my daughter. Because I want you every Friday to know what you took away from me, what you took away from us. So he began to write this $1 check. Eventually, he stopped doing it because he just forgot to do it. So they took him to court. He said, it's not that I don't want to do this. I just don't know how to do it. I mean, I I just forget to do it. So here, I've I've written out all the checks. They're in this box. One dollar made out to your daughter. Just take them. And they refused. They said, no, we want you to do it every Friday because you're going to remember what you took from us. You know, the challenge is that that didn't bring their daughter back. The challenge is that that maintained that bitter root at their heart. Without forgiveness, it led to bitterness, it led to rage, it led to anger. And it ended up keeping them from the beloved community, from relationships that they could have, from a life of moving forward. Why do we do the same thing? Why do I do that? I don't want to do that, but sometimes I can't help myself. So how do we not do that? We're honest. And we name it. We name how people have wronged us. We don't allow evil to continue in the world. We name it. But we stay in relationship because we remember what God has done for us in Romans 5. Even while you were enemies of God, Christ died for you. We don't like thinking of ourselves as enemies of God, do we? But we are. I want God to do things my way. And when he doesn't, I rail against God. But Jesus Christ died for every one of us. And we all have that grace to live into a new life. And if we remember what has been done for us, then we position ourselves as the offender. We can look at others with something new. It's like Shrek and the onion. 
You peel back the layers and we're all the same at the center. Regardless of all of the things, the sun damage and all of that, at the center we have the same wants to be loved, to be included. Maybe we have children, but we have relationships. If we can identify with that, we can see others as human and not turn them into caricatures. Because that's what we do, isn't it? Have you ever been to the fair? They paint your picture. And you're like, wait a minute, my nose isn't that big. Hold on, I don't have ears like that. That you've drawn the bald spot too big. Please go back and put some hair there, right? But when we turn people into caricatures, we can dehumanize them. We don't have to follow what Jesus says because they're not human. They're less than. But when we see our own sin in the context of God's grace, we can empathize with them in a new way and maintain the relationship. And something you'll hear me talk about over and over again, remember, always remember this, Everyone is carrying a bag of rocks. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've accomplished. I don't care how much money you have. Everyone is carrying around a bag of rocks. And it is hard. And some days it feels like you're not going to make it. But if we can remember that in the midst of transgressors, and transgressions, we can maintain that relationship and it can lead us to a new destiny. When we turn the other cheek and say, I'm going to give you one more shot, we maintain that beloved community and we open up God's destiny for us and something new. I'm late to the movie Friday Night, or to the TV show Friday Night Lights. But I love it. I'm binge-watching it now. QB Vince Howard, the quarterback of the Panthers, was in this barbecue restaurant, and this guy by the name of Harvey Long comes in, and he says, oh, you're Vince Howard, you're the star quarterback, aren't you? Your lunch is on me. Fantastic. Sounds good. If you ever need anything, you let me know. What he didn't know is that Vince struggled with a mother who was addicted to drugs, was in and out of rehab, never could hold down a job. And so he took his mom over to Harvey Long's landscaping business. And he said, my mom needs a job. And he said, any mother of Vince's is a friend of mine. Come on in. Let's talk a little bit. So Vince waited outside and he looked in the window and eventually saw his, his mom's head hang down in shame. Harvey was talking to her. He said, you know, there's some gaps in your resume. What's that all about? He said, well, I've had a spot of trouble. I've had some reversals. And so it kind of went on like this for a while. It closes with Vince kind of looking at her, and she's walking out somewhat dejected. And he says, well, and she says, he gave me a chance gave me a job. I don't know why that sent goosebumps down my arms. But we have all been given an incredible chance. And we get another one, and we get another one, and we get another one, 
even in the midst of our place, railing against God, God's grace, that one-way gift of love comes to us in the midst of our dejectedness, in the darkness of our life, and it picks us up and it plucks us out. We have been given a love we don't deserve. How can we withhold that from someone? And when we remember that, when we remember that love, we have the courage to go out and to do the same. Not to speak from our wounds, but from our scars that have healed, that tell a story of love and of forgiveness and the scars of Joseph and Jesus and all of those who have been harmed in this life, but have resurrected, have risen from that and done something mighty in the name of God We can be the hinge on which God's vision for belovedness and peace and justice and mercy come about in this world. And we, together, will usher in in something new. Thanks be to God. Amen.